podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. No thanks to the twat that is Skype. I'm Trev Downey. And joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 1, Fulham 0 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Dave, if last game was the dumbest game that we've seen for quite some time, and the longer I sat with it, the more I agreed with your thesis, this one was one of the most annoying games I've seen in ages because we seem to have the vast majority of everything right until that final pass, which was uniquely, consistently, and just painfully atrocious. Yeah, I think that's a very fair analysis. Um, the, the final ball was just was just a shambles, whether it was... The, the decision-making on the final ball, the weight on the final ball, the player the final ball was p- played to, just not getting the ball to where it needed to go. Um, we had, you know, we had most of the possession, we had most of the shots, but uh, I, I thought we played poorly overall. Uh, now, a big factor in that is, is what we were doing in the final third, but, I mean... There's a couple of big opportunities for them in that game. And again, we're reliant on Alisson to save our arse because someone drifts into the box unmarked, despite somebody having been in position to track the run. But, you know, it was the same thing that happened in the first half. Another runner got through. Ibu managed to make a great tackle. But overall, we definitely deserved the three points. I think, you know, we were on balance of play the better team. Um, I'm a bit baffled by the narrative that's been spun on social media that Darwin dived for the penalty. I thought it was fairly ironclad myself. But I thought there were some positives to take from this game. I thought Fabinho looked better again. And I think this is a continuing trend that he's starting to look better and better by the game, which is good. I thought Virgil looked a bit more like Virgil today. And defensively, bar one mistake where he jumped out of the line too quickly to try and make a challenge and got beaten, I thought Costas, from a defensive point of view, looked pretty comfortable in the role, far more comfortable than Andy Robertson has looked. And he also managed to swing in one absolutely lethal cross that if one of our players could have got the head on, probably ends up in the goal. But, you know, there's just a lot of meh. You can tell Diaz is still a little bit rusty. He had some brilliant moments, but he picked the wrong option a couple of times. Curtis's decision-making let him down a couple of times, but off the ball, once again, he was brilliant. Darwin had one of those frustrating games where his first touch resembles a curb at times. But 
he did some good things in the game as well, and he did win us the penalty. Mo, I don't like the system for Mo at all, but he got a goal, and that's 29 on the season. Um, he's too short now of last season's tally of 31, which, when we consider that he hasn't had, by his standards, a, a typical Mo season, the fact that he's on target to end up with the same amount of appearances, 51, and goals, 31, sorry, 30, as the last two seasons, or is it 31? I think it's 31. Yeah, 31 goals he's on target for, um, which is what he got the last two seasons. It does just show this guy is an absolute machine, and poor management of him or not, he is going to get you goals at a relentless pace, and he remains the absolute diamond in our team. I can't argue with any of that. Um, Carl, it seems a little bit like possibly, well, certainly a little bit of a cliche and also a little bit of um, cold consolation to say that even if there are issues with the performances um, and there are uh, in the last while, this run that we're on, I mean, you're looking at a potential if we keep up this ability to get a result despite not having perfect performances, it could end up being the kind of run that frustratingly would have led to, if not a title win, a title challenge. Um, Is there something to be said for that or do you consider these results where the performances are not perfect actually just maybe less than reassuring? Is there anything to be said for just, like I say, taking the points um, and getting into that habit again? There's definitely a lot to be said, I think, is the important part here for just winning. You know, whether you're in a relegation battle or a title challenge or you've just had the kind of crap non-event of a season that we have for so long, you have to get back to winning ways eventually. You, you know, you need to hit your objectives for the season, but you also need to be in a position to not just do what, for example, Chelsea are doing and just wait for the end of the season. You've got to make things happen. You've got to get yourself back on on some sort of path. And if that for us has to be, make sure you finish fifth and are not just, you know, somewhere in the mix amongst some random clubs who have just had a good season. You've been that terrible that you finish even below them. Then so be it. All right. Suck it up. We, we've got ourselves in this position get out of it as quickly as you can, even if that doesn't get you where you had to be at the start of the campaign. So I think that there are, like I say, definitely some positives to take tonight, even if we didn't play very, very well. I think individually and collectively, we can we can discuss those during the match, but keeping a clean sheet, making sure you get the win somehow. There were times when we used these things as the hallmark of champions. It doesn't suddenly make it less valuable just because we're fifth. You know, Maybe it's the old school, um, grumpy old bastard in me, but I, I'm really that point you made resonates with me because I, I find myself thinking. I was listening to Dave today doing the various points totals that are possible. I've been doing it myself for the last five or six games, uh, and about three games ago, I was just kind of convinced that it didn't really matter. There was no real likelihood of a collapse of the kind that we needed from United. And part of me is thinking that this is about right and perhaps actually in some ways the best thing that could happen because were we to sneak into the Champions League again of course we'd all want that that's what I want but would it have been deserved and would any lessons have been learned would it have papered over some cracks that might now actually get filled in 
on the balance of things, I'm hoping that that will be the case and we take our medicine and play on Thursday nights. And uh, like we've said before, maybe just add that to the to the list uh, of trophies next year and, and get back in, in, in the kind of sort of situation that we want to be under Klopp, which is looking at trophies. Um, in terms of the teams and how we lined up, I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure... Um, I was even vaguely surprised uh, by either of the changes. Uh, the, the one up top was forced, I think, through Jota's injury. And Dave, it was no shock to see the captain come back in. And we should get this out of the way early on because, you know, he's, he's, he's involved plenty. And I saw someone say something very, very positive about Jordan tonight. And... Um, and you were having a little bit of a nibble back. I would have to say that on the overall balance of play, I thought he was fine. You know, in the Jordan Henderson that we have now, I thought he was fine. Um, and as a result, I wasn't surprised to see him come back. And, and, and maybe he shouldn't have been on the pitch by the end. But again, I thought for the most part in that first half, fine. Um, doing the things that we expect and the things that we don't expect. Um were you in even any way surprised by that lineup? Um, especially when we have to consider maybe that it's great to see Curtis getting to continue. I'm I'm really really pleased with that kid. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he didn't play well. By, by his standards, he was okay. By his standards. But, I mean, the most notable things he did in the game, I'm sure we'll talk about the two shots that he decided to take later on. <laughs> there was the attempted back heel that went awry, so he then faked an injury. And there was the two occasions where he didn't track his runner. I mean, they're basic fundamental things. Track your runner. That's a really fucking simple thing to do. Do your job. You're not being asked to do anything else. You've just been asked to do your job, and he doesn't do it. Um, he did play a couple of passes that were, were decent. Uh, Avi was taking the piss looking for a bit of a laugh, and all I said back, Avi said he'd been brilliant or something like that. Um, and all I said back was, uh, he, he said... He's been brilliant, but nobody wants to hear it. And I just said, people generally don't want to hear lies. That's what because it was. Yes. Regardless of whether you think he was okay or not, he certainly wasn't brilliant by any measure. But by his own standards, he was all right tonight. But, you know, when it comes to the basics of track and runners, I mean, that could have cost us two goals tonight. Just because they don't score doesn't make it okay that he hasn't done his job. Um, but there was no doubt he was coming back in. Harvey got his opportunity at the weekend. And while on the ball, it made sense because of the positions he took up and he allowed Mo to play a bit narrower. Off the ball, he was awful. 
and he doesn't like despite the fact he takes up the good positions routinely when he gets the ball he doesn't make the right decision often enough so he was always going to drop back out um the only way he was staying in is if he'd scored two goals that was the only way he was keeping his place for this this game mm. the big surprises to me were the other two changes I, I didn't expect Darwin to start because Cody has been playing really well. Now, my assumption is it was just Cody could do with a bit of a rest, but um, I was surprised to see Darwin start. The bigger surprise was at left back. I, I don't think anybody thought Costas was going to start. When I suggested to Carl, um, he laughed at me. When I just asked randomly, is there any chance Costa starts? And he laughed at me. So I didn't think he was going to start either. Um, so that do was a nice surprise. Or do you reckon that was some sort of uh, manage minutes thing? It's a bit late to start managing Andy Robertson's minutes now. You've run him into the ground for five years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, and if you're going to manage his minutes, why are you bringing him on with, with 30 left? Like, that doesn't make sense. Because you know he's going to come on and play exactly the same way. Andy's going to... He is going to... It doesn't matter if you put Andy Robertson on the pitch for 90 minutes or 10 minutes. He is emptying the tank in those minutes. He is coming on a million miles an hour and he is going to run himself into the ground. So if you're not, if you're going to rest him, fucking rest him then. Costas didn't need to come off. He could have played the whole 90. So I, I don't know what it was, whether it was just to give Costas a run. Or, or whatever, but yeah, I mean, Costas, I thought, played fairly well. I thought, you know, he wasn't as involved going forward, but that was that was a good thing because it left a lot more space for Diaz to play in, which is, is beneficial, and I thought Curtis was able to drift into a lot of those left-sided positions as well and get some nice easy ball and, and keep things moving for us, but yeah, look, the, the team was, was what it was, and I was more surprised, to be honest, with some of the Fulham team, um, but yeah, I he he picked the team he picked and, and we got the win. So it is what it is. Yeah, Silva Carl, uh his his lineup was interesting. Um they've I, I think most people have been generally impressed with them and they absolutely had some critical um absentees tonight for sure. So he goes with Leno and, and, and Diop um and Arda Boyo uh with, with Cedric Suarez and Robinson either side, Lukic and Paulinha, uh, Wilson, Kearney and William, and then they've got their uh, stand-in centre forward up top. I don't, I still don't know what to make of that guy. Um, talk to me about how they went and whether or not, with the likes of Harrison Reed and Niskins Cabano and Manor Solomon and Bobby De Cordova Reed, Daniel James, uh, they also had Shane Duffy there, Luke Harris, uh, Marek Rodak. Could he have done much different, do you think? Should he have done much different? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, Fulham are in a, a fortunate place now where they've done the hard work this season and it's not going to impact them too much one way or another if they do any more bits for what's left of the season. You know, this is already quite a bit higher than everybody would have expected of them. So I think they've earned the right to either give people a bit of a chance or make a couple of rotations and see if things work for next season. A couple of changes tonight I, I was a little bit surprised at. Um, Cedric Suarez coming in. I think Eddie Ted has had a, a really good season. Um at right back, but you know, maybe again that's a similar thing for them. They just want to rotate minutes, protect people for the last couple of games, and 
maybe they think that they've got other matches they could have got points from rather than away at Anfield. So the rest of them, fine. It's the big spine that they've got missing, you know. It's Mitrovic up front. Um, Tim Ream at the back, obviously, is a really big miss. And Pereira has played a big role for them as that sort of link player as well. So the rest, we weren't really too surprised. We talked about Lukic coming in for, you know, a couple of games now at the end of the season, get a bit more adaptation, see if like a partnership with Polina really does give them a rock solid midfield. Uh, Kearney as, as the club captain, give them a run out because why not? Uh, and William obviously make it, make it, made a bit of a quick return from the hamstring injury. So you know, fair enough. He's a, a normal starter for them. I think that the, the setup is really, really. I've got a couple of players who you can see don't get too many games. Like Diop was a little bit loose. Kearney, just not really that good. I'm with you on Vinicius. He's, he's sometimes just for a minute, looks like he can be really dangerous, but basically on an 88 minute basis, I don't really like him as a center forward. Um, but then I don't think I've ever watched him be a first choice forward anywhere for any length of time. So who knows what he's really capable of. Um, but then they do have a couple of really, really good players. Like I think Robinson, the left back is a, a very, very solid player, really good performer up and down all day long. Um, Jal Pellini, we've talked about before as well. He's just a fantastic ball winner, really powerful, uses possession pretty well. I think they've put together a very good side. Hard to argue with that. And like you say, uh, the hard work of the season done for them already. They were hardly on the beach, though, Dave. And if we get into the details of the match, you can get your Fulham opinions in as we go. And why don't we start with the first half opening section which basically started with a nice move by us on two minutes uh, Mo with a ball over the top to Darwin his pullback sort of broke for Trent and his shot was deflected wide by hitting off Luis Diaz I believe uh, three minutes uh, we have another effort this time it is Diaz dragging an effort narrowly wide after Darwin had done well in the in the build up four minutes a ball into Wilson his centre was cleared for a corner by Virgil and then Virgil followed up soon after that with a decent handed clearance that cost him a bit of a, a knock um, on seven minutes Trent has an effort from distance after a nice give and go and he's looking very bright at this stage of the game and very much uh, at the central hub of the team um, which is interesting to see on nine minutes another brilliant move this time started by Trent uh, with great work by Luis and in the build-up and ended with another effort, a low effort by Trent, this time narrowly wide. Great piece of football. 11 minutes, another flowing move with some incredible play by uh, Diaz in the build-up to it. I love how he runs with the ball. His touch is just beautiful when he's in possession. He knows just how much to cushion it, just how much to knock it ahead of him. He's got the strength to hold someone off. Uh, He did brilliantly in that build-up, and it played it out to Curtis. His ball into Mo is miscontrolled because, to be honest, I don't think Mo thought there was a danger of the ball dropping to his feet, and he didn't read the flight. Um, I'm going to go up as far as 15 minutes because it includes two Fulham efforts for balance. On 14, there's a ball through, which picked out Vinicius between Virgil and Ebu. Scary kind of a moment, to be honest. His effort was well saved at a stretch by Ali. And on the 15th minute, William cut in and shot wide. I don't think it was too close to the goal at all. For the sake of just trying to get a sense of the opening part of the game, I think those 15 minutes are fairly representative. Uh, it ebbed and flowed a bit. We did seem, like you said, right at the outset, to, uh, to be the better team and to be playing the better football for the most part. But they always carried a threat. 
threat, Dave, and it was evident even in that opening chunk. Yeah, I mean, look, they're a, they're a really well-organized team. They're really well-coached. They're big in the physical, and they had some players coming in tonight who are probably looking to stake a bit of a claim. Like, uh, you know, Tom Kearney's the club captain. That's only his second start all season. Um, so he'd probably like to get a few more starts under his belt before the end of the season. Sasa Lukic was bought in in January, hasn't been able to displace Harrison Reed, so he wants to make an impression. Um, Diop and Adarabayo, they've been rotating next to Tim Ream, and with Ream out, this is an opportunity for them to stake. This is this is the partnership you can move forward with. You don't need to go and buy a starting centre-back in the summer. We can be the pairing for for next season. Cedric Soares is playing for a new contract. Um, so, you know, they've got lads with, with something to prove. And, and even the big fellow up front, Carlos Vinicius, um, you know, he's very clearly the, the backup striker there. But I think he, he'd like a, an improved role because when Mitrovic is fit, we don't really see much of Vinicius. And he is a decent player. I remember him at Benfica a few years ago when he was great. Um, but... So, you know, the, those, some of those lads had a point to prove. I mean, this is also a team that had come into this game having lost six of their last eight. So they've been fairly poor since mid-February when they sort of, you know, they got into 39 points. They knew they were going to stay up. Uh, since then, they beat Everton and they beat someone else. That's crap. They beat Leeds. Uh, they're the only two wins since mid-February. So... You know, they have a bit of a point to prove. And I'd imagine Silva, who's quite a prideful man, remembers some of the nights he had as Everton manager when we were laughing at him, most notably the Divock Origi goal and Jürgen running onto the pitch and celebrating. And he actually brought that up in his presser before this game that, you know, he was a bit insulted by Jürgen running onto the pitch and Jürgen didn't didn't apologise. So you'd imagine he got his team fairly fired up before the game. And as I said, like they are well organized. He's done a great job there. He's he's one of the contenders, I think, for coach of the year, for manager of the year. Um, so you know, like they did carry a threat. They were able to stem the tide a little bit, and they were able to repel a lot of our attacks just by being big. Because how many balls did we clip into the box or slide into the box, and a big long leg came out or a big neck got stretched and it got headed away? Kind of felt like that was the team of the game. One of Tosin or or it's a Diop stretching out a big long leg just to just to nullify an attack or Xiao Polina breaking something up in front of them. But we did absolutely have that threat in the first in the first period of the game, and you did feel in that kind of first fifteen to twenty, geez, we might get a couple here if we can get one, we might get a few and put this to game this game to bed nice and early. But unfortunately, we just weren't able to find that. That final ball, Trev, which uh, which you opened talking about, we just weren't able to execute from from early on. Yeah, it was the it was the pattern all the way through, wasn't it? It was the it was the Achilles heel for the team. I think you're right. There were goals to be had uh, for the team there uh, if it wasn't for that uh, constant um, um, disappointment at the end of each move. It seemed. Um, you mentioned Leeds there, and we can't let this raw go by without referring to one of the greatest things I've ever seen, which is the double header today of the 
textbook definition of delusion. One was Stephen Ireland talking about how he was better than uh, Frank Lampard and Stephen Gerrard every time he played them. Um, that was a remarkable little video. That, that's a fantastic. That's a fantastic thing. And there's, there's, a, an, there's another part of that where he's talking about when he won City Player of the Year and he starts listing off the players that were at City. And this is obviously before they became really good. They'd gotten some money and they were starting to spend. But So they had a lot of good players. And he just, like, deadpan goes, and I was better than all of them. He was asked who he thought was good. And he he's, he, 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 he pretended he couldn't think of anyone good. And then he says, ah, Rubinho was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and he, he mentioned someone else who you absolutely wouldn't think. He was He's such an edgelord. It's unbelievable. I, I, I was just, I, I didn't think that could possibly be topped. And it was topped within hours by Sam Allardyce, who is now the new Leeds manager, when he said, no one is ahead of me in football terms. Not Pep, not Klopp, not Arteta. I'm as good as them. So it's all there with me. I shared it with them, he said in the most delusional part of it that nobody's talking about. And then he finishes by, they do what they do. Uh, what what has happened to him? Was he, it, lads, was he always this incredibly arrogant? Did I Yes. Miss? No, he's always been this arrogant. He really has. This is not the first time he's come out with statements like this. I remember, do you not remember, where was he managing? Was he managing? Is this the Allardici thing? Was he managing West Ham when he came out and said he was more than capable of managing Real Madrid? Yeah, I, I, I want to say that's where that's where he was. Yeah, I think he was at West Ham, and he came out and said, "I, I could manage Real Madrid. I'm more than good enough." Like, look, I, I, Sam is a, is a very strange gentleman, but I will always have fondness for him because I loved his Bolton team. And he brought a lot of fun players to the Premier League in JJ Akocha and Yuri Jorkayev and Fernando Hierro and Ivan Campo. So I'll always have a, sp- a soft spot for him. But just to run down his record, which, you know, he claims is, is as good as anybody. Uh, <clears throat> failed at Newcastle, sacked within a season. <clears throat> failed at Blackburn, sacked in about 18 months. Did fairly well at West Ham, to his credit. Brought them up into the Premier League. Played some of the most obnoxiously ugly football I've ever seen, which his which West Ham fans referred to as tsunami football because there was wave upon wave of lads running into the box <laughs> chasing high balls. Um, then he goes to Sunderland, and to his credit, he takes over in October, and they do look like they're in the shit. But again, it's October, and he keeps them up. So. You know, there's this idea of him as a managerial um, wizard who keeps teams in the league. He took over Sunderland on the 9th of October. There was probably 10 games gone in the season, which means you have loads of time. Nobody is relegated in October. Then he gets the England job. He lasts one game and gets sacked because of corruption. Then he goes to Crystal Palace in December, spends a big ball of money in January. They were 17th. We took over. I think they ended up in like... 14th or somewhere so like they weren't it was early and it was still too early to say they were in relegation trouble goes to Everton David Unsworth had been in charge about a month as a caretaker and had actually pulled them out of the relegation fight into mid-table Sam convinced them to give him a three million bonus clause if he kept them up now I think he got them to like eighth or ninth so he did fairly well but again 
he spent a big bowl of money that summer. He bought, or that January, bought Chank Tucson and Theo Walcott, which might be the worst use of 50 million quid in the history of the game, considering both of them were released from their contracts with a year to go and left on freeze. He leaves Everton. He's out of the game for 18 months. He rocks up at West Brom in December of 2020. He oversees 26 games, wins four of them. And before they get relegated, he announces he's leaving. So I'm not really sure what it is he's hanging his hat on. Uh, it's, it's not the most impressive um, portfolio of, of performance that I've seen in my time observing the beautiful game. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. To be fair, uh, Carl, to bring you in on this, I I, I, got, I had the joy of going over and seeing when I was traveling the games more often, seeing that Bolton team play Liverpool a couple of times. It just happened to be one of the fixtures I saw more often than not, probably because it was a, a more available ticket um, at Anfield. And I went twice because I wanted to see that stadium of theirs. Um, and it was a delight to watch Okacha uh, in his heyday, in his pomp. Uh, Yuri Jorkiev that was mentioned there as well by Dave. That was a really interesting uh, era. And he had the reputation back then, Allardyce, of actually being, if not a technical innovator in terms of tactics, then at least dragging some modernity into the game uh, whether that was by dint of the fact that he had an earpiece in at times or not I was never quite sure but the, he had that swagger to him um, on the back of that and I suppose that carried through all the way to him being granted his run at the England job before um drinking too many pints of wine and uh, 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 looking for bungs or whatever it was. So, I mean, it's a very, very interesting take by by, by Mr. Allardyce there on his uh, comparative ability. And I, what I wanted to ask you was, do you actually think, in that little quote that I gave you, do you actually think, Carl, that maybe he does believe in his delusion that, you know, he was there before these guys and he, sh- like you said, he shared what he had done with them and then they've done whatever they've done with us. It. It, it's, it's a remarkable take in the middle of that, that nobody's focusing on. Um, I imagine he meant it literally to be fair uh, in that, you know, it's, it's fairly common for, you know, coaches to visit other coaches and other clubs and see what they do and see how they put sessions on. This is, you know, quite a common thing. So I imagine that he meant it literally. But we also know that, yes, he has 
let's say, uh, a, a sense of self-worth, which has similar girth to his um, gravy boat, let's say, um, which is quite substantial. And <laughs> therefore, uh, it, it's not going to be a surprise, I think, what we hear from Allardyce pre and post game. You know, there's going to be an awful lot of this isn't my team and this isn't my fault in various guises. There's going to be an awful lot of I can only do so much and there's going to be an awful lot of I've got them to do this on the training ground if they do and when they do pick up any points. Um, That didn't change at any of the clubs that we've just been speaking about, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it just needed marking as one of the oddest occasions in recent months in football. Uh, to move on with you, and what we'll do is we'll take the next chunk of the first half all the way. We'll, we'll just take it through to the end. We get back into the uh, flow of things in 16 minutes after those couple of Fulham opportunities with some great interplay. Trent playing Mo in. He weaved a bit of magic kind of on the byline and lofted, dinked an effort across the face of goal that you were really hoping with all your heart would curl into the top corner. Alas, it did not. There was actually a decent Fulham move ended by a very good foot in by Ibu Kanate, which led to a corner from them. Some decent play by Suarez on the dead ball line um, on the right-hand side. Uh, he managed to drive over a cross, which I think hit the base of the post and came away. Um, Ibu Kanate managed to clear it. Um, in 38 minutes, we saw Darwin nipping in um, and winning the ball, but Diop managed to take him out. Now, I know Dave hasn't taken this, but I want to get yours first in terms of what you think happened here. Uh, let me just continue on. Mo steps up and thankfully buries it straight down the middle. I'm not sure about that, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, 43 minutes, we saw Mo cutting inside Robinson, dinking in a ball that was just over Darwin's head. He was kind of central and looking to flick it home. And on 45 minutes, there was some great determination of ball carrying by Luis Diaz. He played in Curtis. He cut it back to Henderson, whose shot was like a Henderson cross over the top central um, and off target. So talk to me a little bit about what your overall take uh, on the first half was, seeing as you haven't got a chance to talk about it as well. But just fold in, if you would, the penalty um, uh, so-called controversy, because I I fail to see where there is any. Um, So I think overriding feeling during that first half was that we were playing within ourselves and we could and should have stepped it up a couple of gears and mostly there were three players who who tried to raise the tempo and certainly tried to make things happen. That was Trent, Diaz and Curtis. I thought all three of them were pretty... I, mean, I thought they were very good in the first half, to be perfectly honest. Um, Diaz, as we've already mentioned, you can see that there's a little bit of rustiness in terms of sometimes the first touch or you know what he wants to do at the end of the run. But honest to God, he looks like near enough ready. Like What he has done in these last couple of performances versus what we were getting on a weekly basis from eight players for a good three or four months there during the season. It's just it's such an incredible difference in terms of the power that he puts in and the determination that he has in one-on-ones and the acceleration he has in his game and an ability to either beat someone or win back the ball. Um, you know, there were, there were two or three times he like took on a couple of players just by 
willing himself to stay upright, bouncing off them or bouncing them out of the way and getting his feet in in the right order. And nobody was doing this earlier in the season. So to see that is just, I, I think, one of my favourite things of the season so far, seeing him back and seeing him look really, really fierce and determined. Um, Curtis Jones, I mean, it was about a minute and a half in he made his first tackle of the game. I think he's been so good. Really, really good. Probably people are getting bored of me saying the same thing at the moment, but he's been one of the... <clears throat> about this this sort of change of uh, approach that we've had and you know whether it's trying to defend our own corners if people head it away and he gets to it first or whether it's winning the ball back higher upfield and sparking a couple of counter-attacks transitions that we've had I just think he's been excellent and Trent is probably the player who's had the weirdest form graph of the season uh from as as terrible as he was at times to as full of confidence as as he is at the minute. And I do very, very much like the fact that he's able to get forward or burst forward or play little one-twos and get himself into shooting positions because we never really have too many people who shoot well from distance. And he does bring that. So that's, uh, I think, something else that we can look forward to seeing a little bit more often as well. Um, The penalty, I really know what the problem is here even if he hasn't uh let's say kicked him he still goes across him with his thigh he still trips him up as he's running through so i again i genuinely don't see any kind of problem here at all that's a penalty easily dave you wanted to mention the penalty too so just give you a chance to speak about it there yeah no i i, I just think it's a, a fairly blatant penalty i mean darwin loses the ball Ball gets played from Tolson to Diop. Diop is is gazing up the pitch, maybe trying to lock eyes with Jurgen and say, look, mate, I'm 6'5 and big and fast. You, you need a centre-back. I can be your man or whatever it was um, before taking a majestic swing of his very long left leg. And Darwin just nips in. And people have said, oh, he pulled out. No, he didn't. He, he kicked through the ball, but the ball wasn't there. And his tie catches Darwin's tie. And there's a very clear angle from right behind Darwin, where you're looking at the number on Darwin's shirt, where you can see the contact that he makes. And it's high up on his thigh. I think people were looking for something on the floor, but the contact is up high. And look, if you're running at pace and someone bumps you in the hip or the thigh area, it's going to throw you off balance. That's just the nature of physics like you're going to fall over simple as that so it, it's a penalty and it's just i think it's largely just liverpool bad equals likes and retweets on twitter that has very silly people trying to claim it wasn't a penalty i think that's exactly what it is i think um, there's a, a very active uh, market for that at the moment and um People are making merry with it. Um, you and I are going to take up as far as a kind of a key moment of the match, uh, which is well into the second half. But um, I think it makes sense to break it there. So in the early goings, we got a corner, a throw in, another corner in quick succession. Nothing arose from them. And on 48 minutes, we saw Henderson through ball, um, which... Uh, Luis Diaz was running on to um, I think it's a decent pass through um, I'd like it to have been a bit straighter but I understand why he played it where he did actually to be fair it's Luis's touch 
that sort of uh, uh, takes him too wide um, when maybe the first time effort would have been the the thing there uh, and his after his touches his effort really isn't great um, and that goes away to nothing we saw on 49 minutes the man himself though is back on form immediately is Diaz again fantastic driving approach play by him he lets it on to Mo who is running onto it at pace coming in from the right curls it and hits it hard with his left well over the top it's a poor effort by Mo's standard um, you'd like him to have gotten that one on target Simicus with a dangerous cross then towards Darwin uh, on 51 minutes. So the opening of this second half is all us. There's a good trend block on William as Fulham try to counter in 54. I think it's important to note these things because of the the narrative with a little trademark after about Trent's defending. I thought he did well then to hold William off again four minutes later on 58. Um, at that point, the subs start. Robbo and Cody Gakpo for Costas and Diaz Robbo's first ball was actually quite dangerous and led to a corner which is a poor delivery by him to the near post Cody tried to turn it on but uh, Leno got there uh, Mo Salah uh, placed the ball into Cody Gakpo but he's got no angle and Leno saves on 70 minutes they bring on Cabano Harrison Reed, De Cordova Reed um, and on 76 we're, we're going to pause it um it's a big opportunity and a key moment in the game. Uh, Willian and Vinicius play uh, each other a couple of one-twos. Willian into Vinicius, back to Willian, back into Vinicius, who finds himself central. His effort is, he's basically 1v1 with Ali, uh, who makes a fantastic one-handed save, really strong hand. Uh, and again, we're reminded of his excellence. And yes, your goalkeeper's there to save things. Absolutely. And maybe we shouldn't go too over the top in terms of, oh, the opposition created a chance because they should do, I guess, if they're a Premier League team. Um, But it was a key moment and a, a real kind of reminder of how thin the margin was and how we had failed to put the game to bed when we really should have. Yeah, I think so. It's it's just frustrating, isn't it? Like when you're watching a period of play like that, and you can see, you can see the pass that needs to be played, you can see the moment it needs to be played, and it's a half second too early or a half second too late, or it's over hit or it's the wrong option or it's under hit or whatever the case may be. Sometimes you just get a defender that does really well, but it is frustrating. And when there's multiple moments like that in a short span of time it really does start to wind you up but like there was a lot of good stuff I mean Trent looked really dynamic in that phase as well and he had a couple of a couple of bursts where he you know, took on the ball at speed and carried it through the central zone was able to pick a pass and then from there maybe it just fell apart but yeah it, it felt like that was our opportunity to get a second goal and then the the changes happened and it I, I felt like our tempo dropped quite a bit. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. 
My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, look, there are a couple of things that I know we want to discuss and we'll come back to it. But it, the way this is shaping up, I think I'm going to go to Carl and walk it through to the end of the match because it is, after all, a 1-0 game. And I'm not sure a huge amount extra requires talking about about the incidents. So myself and Carl are going to take it home. So Dave, theoretically, I'm going to be coming back to you for your final thoughts then next, um, which can be as long or as short as you want. I will finish up then with Carl's. Um, after that opportunity for them, Carl, uh, they bring on Solomon um, and someone else, and I forget because uh, the stream crapped out on me. Uh, Vinicius, I know, went off at that point, and there was an AN other who came on. Maybe you can fill me in, or you maybe you remember. There's a Henderson low effort on 80 minutes, which is narrowly wide, and it's a half decent dig, to be fair to the kid. Um, and then we bring on Harvey and Dio Wajata and James Milner, I believe, as well. Um, 86 minutes. It's all too nervy, if you're asking me. Way, way too nervy. We've decided at this stage, Carl, it appears that it's a safe tactic for us to drop Trent back into a more defensive position and simply invite them on. Um, and we can, we do that, but... Uh, there's a break on 86 where Harvey plays a really good ball into Cody Gakbo, um, who tries an ambitious, shall we say, half volley from distance. If it had gone in, it would have been a screamer and a goal of the season contender. But there was probably an argument for retaining possession. I'm reluctant to criticise Cody Gakbo, who I think his hold-up play has been one of the most amazing things about him, his ability to retain the ball. He's so, so neat and tidy. So I'm not going to criticise the lad for having a shot. Solomon puts a ball in soon after that. And Descordova reads cross is cleared by Virgil. Then we, we had to see Trent doing well to win a throw-in in the follow-up. This is all around the 87-minute mark. So ebbing and flowing. Three minutes added. Um we saw Henderson losing the ball, doing a daft back heel on the line where it wasn't really on. And we were just looking to play ourselves out of a tight position. Uh, it didn't seem to be a sensible thing to do. And he was down the deck then with an apparent knock. His next touch was a foul on Paulinha uh, in a dangerous position, I think. Um, I think At least I think it was him. 92 minutes, um, we saw him in an advanced position. Uh, he took one on his chest, a uh, hopeful enough ball lofted forward, took it on his chest, turned around. He's in acres. And he hits some sort of a half volley lofted thing, which had literally no uh, threat to it at all. 
and 93 minutes and this is getting silly now we're still inviting them on at the death they got in down the left and it's a fantastic opportunity Carl the cross is very dangerous it picks out De Cordova Reed who's ahead of Virgil under pressure from Virgil but ahead of him nonetheless he makes clean contact and lifts it over the top there are many strikers and maybe even a striker who'd been longer in the park who would have put that away. Um, an uncomfortable end to that game, I thought. The tactical approach uh, and actually some of those moments, including the one at the very death. Yeah, I think uncomfortable is probably the right word there. Um, I, I, I don't think um, Henderson played particularly well today. I think actually I was surprised when both of you said he was okay in terms of what he did. I thought there was so many times when it broke down through him. But the biggest one of all was that big chance that they had when they ran through. And it wasn't just that Henderson didn't track him. Henderson was actually on. Um, who was it who had the shot in the end? It wasn't Vinicius, was it? It was. Do you mean the very at the very death? Uh, no, no, no. The one at the very death, the one about 10 minutes before that. Oh, Carlos made the big save on. Was it Carlos Vinicius had the had the shot? Yes, I think yeah. it was Carlos Vinicius before he went off. Yeah, yeah. So Henderson was actually tracking somebody else from the from the side. Maybe it was I'm not sure if it was Decadover Reed already on at that point, or maybe William running through the centre. I can't remember who it was, but they ran away from him anyway, which left Henderson with Vinicius, and he still didn't get the challenge and still didn't track him there. And no, he, he, he started jogging and was was just eyes glued to the ball. I mean, I think from that point, we made the decision then to sit back, and I don't think we did it well, which, look, I didn't expect us to do it all that well. But on the one hand, you have got Alisson behind you, so you can, like you said, um, Trev, expect him to make a big save when we need him to. That's, I think that's okay. I also think it's okay to sort of back ourselves to get a clean sheet somehow if you need it. And that is our first one in, what, six games or something like that. So you you take these little wins, you take these little bits of performances, and eventually you do find yourself suddenly five games, one in a row. They, they don't come just, you know, you're not just going to be perfect magically. You have to, you know, work at it and suffer through it a little bit and all that to get to these points where you have got a clean sheet, you have got two clean sheets in a row, you have got three clean sheets in six games, that kind of thing. You have to get back there bit by bit. So it's all right. There are still bits to improve. That's also okay because we've been crap and we're trying to get back to a reasonable point. But I think that you can take both a positive and a negative thing of what we did here. Going back to the flat back four and not asking Trent to go infield is pragmatic. And at times this season, we have not been when we should have been. Say, being 2-0 up against Real Madrid in the first leg, for example. We should have been more pragmatic then. We should have been a bit more about shape and possession and retention of the ball and everything else. So here we try to do that in a slightly different way. I think that's okay. Um, I don't think the midfield did very well in that period of the game at all, though. Uh, Not very good in terms of keeping hold of the ball. Not very good in terms of the out balls. Uh, So there's there's more to learn for the team in this shape and when we go a little bit more defensive-minded towards the end of matches as well. Uh, It's obviously only a few days since we tried to hold out against Tottenham and didn't even come close to doing that. So if you want to take that as two games where we've not looked good defensively, then fine. But if you want to take it as one we got away with it and one we've actually seen it through, also fine. Depends how you see the game. 
Yeah, I, I think it's fair. And I think uh, uh, per, from a personal point of view, I'm too turned around by the awfulness that has been um, the, the standard fare this year to make a rational choice about that and too annoyed in general to make a rational choice about that. So I think it's a very fair observation and people can land wherever they land uh, and, and, and no blame from me, I'll tell you. You can be as annoyed as you want or as upbeat as you want. I think it's all valid given the comparative shit show we've had to endure this year so Dave just to finish then with your uh, with yourself with your final thoughts and anything you want to um, uh, say and sum up um, or that I've left out and then as well just let people know what's coming up for the week just to be clear for Carol I didn't say Henderson played well I said by his standards he was okay I didn't say he played well Uh, they're very different things it's like when Lovren would play well by his standards meaning he'd only shot himself twice in the first half and not the usual six or seven times. Um, look, three points, three points, and it's five wins in a row. Huh? I said that's an important point of clarification. It's very important. <laughs> very, very important. Um, so, yeah, so, lost me train of thought there. Uh, five wins in a row, it's the first time all season that we've managed this, and Look, we're largely helped by who we've been playing. Leeds probably going down. Forest could easily go down. West Ham are utter garbage. Spurs are a train wreck. And and Fulham had lost six of eight and were missing two of their three best players tonight. So, you know, we have been helped by the fixtures. And we're helped by the fixtures moving forward. Brentford very much on the beach. Leicester could well go down. Villa at home will be tough. And then Southampton, a team that probably will get relegated. So, Realistically, from those last four, I think anything less than three wins and a draw would be unacceptable. I think when we were looking at these uh, five fixtures, we all would have said four wins and a draw at the very worst. You either draw in London against West Ham or maybe Spurs come and there's just a freak incident where you get a draw at home with them. And it it nearly turned out that way. Um, I, I I don't like the shape. I don't like us trying to be something we're not. I don't like us trying to play a brand of football that isn't our brand of football. We're trying very hard to be City or Arsenal or whoever. And it's it's just not for me. I, I don't enjoy watching us play like this. Um, we're we're far, too, far too open. Our forward player starting positions are far too wide and not in sync at all. It's obviously easier when Cody is playing. But... We spent 60-odd million on Darwin to then create a shape and a system for ourselves that doesn't get the best out of him at all, doesn't play to any of his strengths, and in fact basically highlights all his weaknesses. Um, I do think certain players have shown, and the obvious one is Trent, but Curtis as well. And my hope is that this shape is just an experiment till the end of the season. And next season, we change things up a little bit and get back to being, you know, the big bad bullies that we were when we won the league and the and the Champions League. Because I think that is something that will suit us a lot more. And my hope is that Curtis will carry the confidence of this run of form where he has undeniably been our best midfielder over the last seven games. Now, Fabinho is starting to get to not peak Fabinho level, but certainly a good Fabinho level. And having him and Curtis in tandem is proving very beneficial when it comes to winning the ball back. So that's a positive as well. Um, 
yeah, look, three points is three points. Europa League, it's not what we wanted, but we'll take it. And we'll go and win it because why wouldn't we? It's the one trophy that's eluded Jürgen since he took over. It's the one that will complete the set. So when people say he's won the lot, it'll actually be true then, as opposed to now where it's just kind of not quite true. Um, and other than that, uh, I have purchased Sam Allardyce's autobiography, as you've seen in our chat. And um, uh, the reason I've uh, I've purchased it is the following line, which I found on his Wikipedia page. Uh, in response to criticism of his perceived long ball tactics, Allardyce wrote in his autobiography, when the opposition hit a 50-yard ball, it was a cultured pass. When we did it, it was a, a hopeful hoof. <laughs> that might have something to do with who was hitting the 50-yard pass and whether it was a 50-yard pass or a 50-yard punt. They're very different things, but just uh, Sam is funny. Like When he was at West Ham and Mourinho used to call him out and Wenger used to call him out and Sooness would be on Sky absolutely rinsing the shit out of him and Rafa when he came back to Chelsea was calling him out because you know they all played against Sam's West Ham and they all struggled against Sam's West Ham because they were big and they were nasty and they were physical and I do think there is a place for Sam or not sorry there's a place for that type of football in the modern game I just don't think Sam Allardyce has a place in the modern game. I really don't. And I, and I do wonder what it is Leeds think this will accomplish. Like, your fixtures are your fixtures. You're in the position you're in. If this was the route you were going to take, why didn't you do this a couple of months ago when you sacked Jesse Marsh? And at least give yourself a fighting chance. Now you look at Leeds fixtures and it, they're brutal. Like They're absolutely brutal, the run in the Leeds half. They go City away on Saturday. Then they've got Newcastle at home. Then they go to West Ham. And then they get Spurs at home. Like If they take one point from those four games, that's actually an achievement because they've been so poor. We won't even be able to use this Leeds stint to mock Sam, which is, is heartbreaking to me. And you've got the other dinosaur, Crystal Palace, actually doing well. And it feels like we're we're running backwards in time with this new WM formation that <laughs> Guardiola and Arteta have brought back to life and we're now copying. Because that's a formation right out of the 1950s when, you know, Roy Hodgson and Sam Allardyce began their managerial careers. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Two-footed every day, daily read every day. Uh, I'm sure we're doing a scouted tomorrow for the Brentford game does raw and there'll be something else as well, I'm sure. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, Carl, to get your final thoughts as well. Um, just something Dave was saying about the, 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 the remaining fixtures and all that type of thing of what we have left and what we can do. Uh, I mean, um, I think it's fair to say that we must be uh, we're, well, we absolutely are in the driving seat for the Europa League I just wouldn't mind getting as part of your wrap up your thoughts on what I was saying earlier on about you know maybe that's sort of just desserts and actually you know could have a beneficial 
impact or does that sound hopelessly naive and very old fashioned kind of a, a, a bit of a taste of, 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 of our own medicine and uh, see can we learn a lesson from it maybe we should just fall, it'd be nicer to just fall over the line after completely underachieving into the Champions League I, I suppose we'd all take that but is there any, any wisdom to that at all if you can mention that in your final thoughts yeah, I mean, look, I think it's it's a valid point to say that we don't want to paper over cracks and not do as much surgery as we know is required, because it was last year and we did see that. And it is it has been all year long, you know, just because maybe a couple of other clubs run out of steam or we finally click in a couple of regards or whatever, doesn't mean that this season has not been a disaster. Like, you know, we might go on and finish on, what, high 60s points let's say unless we win out and creep into the 70s it's not been a good season you know we're going to be 20 points back at an absolute minimum of where we would expect ourselves to be so yeah big additions need to happen and if you get in the Europa League you only come fifth you've gone from being first and second to fifth that's a big jump as a sort of well a jump in the wrong direction it's a big fall off so I think it's okay to to acknowledge that this is our own fault and we've put ourselves in this position and now we have to get it right and we have to make sure that it's uh, something that we do rectify over the summer. The other thing I would say, you know, not as a a route that we should want to take because we want to be in the Champions League, but you will have an additional opportunity to qualify for the Champions League the following season if you're trying to win the Europa League and you think you're among the best clubs in it rather than only having the top four, which, as I've spoken with Dave over the last few scouts, I think next season is going to be really, really difficult for teams who are rebuilding to finish in the top four, because it's going to be like six clubs think they have to be in it. Um, if you factor in Newcastle are going to spend again, Man United look to have put themselves a big base. We assume Chelsea will again be a football club at some point. Spurs obviously will, will look to have another five new managers or whatever and rebuilds and ourselves. So it's going to be really, really tough next year. So maybe the Europa League is a proving ground for a couple of players, an opportunity for the the seniors later on in the campaign, gives Liverpool a bit of a a safety cushion for uh, an extra shot at silverware, an extra shot at the Champions League, the following campaign and all the rest of it. We have to own what we've done this season. That's the bottom line here. Whichever way around you think that that has to be by you know, finishing lower down the table or being in an inferior competition or not getting the players that you wanted to go for in the summer in the first place. Liverpool have to own this because they've put themselves there. Couldn't agree more. I, I, I And, and it's, yeah, that's just basically a more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say. And to finish off, what have we got from you in the week, um, both writing and podcast-wise? Yeah, podcasts, yeah, we've got the... Brentford one coming up and then obviously we'll have one for Leicester as well and then I think we'll have an extra one after that because there's a there's a few days between games isn't there between Brentford and Leicester because we played the follow on Monday night uh, so we'll see if we can do an additional one uh, writing wise today I had a piece out on Brighton and the sort of next next crop of players that they have already ready to go if they do sell a couple of players like Alexis and uh, Caicedo and that this summer uh, tomorrow I have a Lionel Messi piece and there will also be a Thibaut Courtois piece ahead of the Champions League semis next week. Fantastic. That all sounds very, very interesting indeed. And keep your eyes on it and your ears on it if you have any interest in exposing yourself to good content. Same goes for all of Dave's stuff. Um, 
can't recommend the two lads work highly enough. Want to welcome Guy Drinkle back to the um, fold tonight. Um, his first, I think it was his first one back, and as a result, um, he also found himself dealing with stupid technical issues because I'm out here in the arse end of nowhere uh, when Skype was being an absolute wanker. So welcome back to Guy, and apologies for causing him technical nightmares on his first podcast back with me anyway. I've been Trav Denny, you've heard Dave Hendrick and Carl Magid, and producer Guy Drinkles back in the fold. This is Raw, we'll be back for the next one. Then we have a nine-day gap, and uh, we'll try and fill it with nice, entertaining things for you. So, we'll speak to you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel, so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go... We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.